0: Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Kraft.
1: I'm Austin Sweebleman. I'm Ranka Versi. I'm Joseph Vernick,
2: and that's really how we're starting this.
3: <laughs> I'm Tim M. Sullivan,
1: son of Aragorn. <laughs> right. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Lord of the Rings.
0: I have, I have a ring here. We're talking about the Fellowship of the Ring.
4: Was that clap in the beginning for Peter Jackson and the whole crew who made this possible?
0: Yes, actually, Austin. Everyone who made this movie like went to war, basically, to make this movie. We're going to get right into it. Uh, this is obviously a classic movie an epic. Some might say the last good blockbusters, you know, morons. So I'm fairly certain most, except one of us, are uh, Lord of the Rings fans. What kind of history do you have of the franchise and do you remember the first time you saw a Lord of the Rings movie? Uh, Rennick, you seem the most jazzed to do this, so we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, I am the most jazzed to do this, because I was the one that was
1: suggested that we do this. What? Um, No, you're
0: not. I put this on the schedule without anyone prompting me
1: to. You're both wrong. It was Joe, but it wasn't Joe V. It was Joe Bovinglow.
2: (laughs) Okay, we can agree on that. It was Joe Bovinglow. (laughs) Am I a fan of Lord of the Rings and the first time I saw this, so... Let me take you back all the way to the year 2001 when I was living out in Olathe, Kansas. I was a wee little lad who had just gotten internet at the time. There was a point in my life when I was a wee five-year-old lad watching movie trailers on whatever the website Apple had at the time. One of those trailers whenever I wasn't rewatching the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone trailer for the billionth time was Lord of the Rings. I had stumbled upon this because, oh, hey, I I recognize the font. This is is a series of toys that they're trying to promote. This was like a franchise that kind of like intrigued my young little mind and it was something I really wanted to see. Flash forward a couple years later, I think at this point I'm living out in uh, Troy, Illinois, and I watched this movie for the first time. Watching this movie for the first time was like the equivalent of watching Star Wars for the first time. I had never seen anything like it at the time. It truly captured like my imagination it enthralled me and i would wind up seeing those movies later on as they came out on dvd my parents would never take me to see them in the theater for some unknown reasons i got to rectify that though and i saw all three of them in the theater earlier this year in imax and that was a fun experience that i won't talk about here and this was also one of those movies that was very popular for its behind the scenes stuff And whenever I would get the DVDs, I would watch those constantly. And it was one of those like pillar movies that like piqued my interest in filmmaking. So am I a fan of Lord of the Rings? Yes. Was I a fan before? No, because I was like a fucking infant. Uh, Am I a fan of it still to this day? Hell yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, uh, we're going to move on to uh, Austin zubelman Known, uh, He's actually the man that killed Peter Jackson last night in his apartment. Uh, the police are on their way to their location right now, Austin, so you better make it quick.
4: Tanner, those news articles aren't even out yet, and how could I possibly kill Peter Jackson? I'm not in New Zealand. Um, the first time I saw a Lord of the Rings movie, I think I was like eight, and I was seeing the two towers at AMC uh, West Olive 16 in my hometown. It was really late at night, like 10.30. I remember being super Super excited to get up. you like be up late and still be out doing things because that's like a thing you do as a kid. Anyway, I fell asleep shortly after it started and I woke up and was I was wondering, like, why is everybody fighting? What's going on? I was looking at Helm's Deep the way that a microscopic organism looks at humans. I was so confused. The idea back then was that those movies were like too long for my limited child attention span. And they lacked the things that caught my interest going forward into like my preteen teenage years, like, you know, boobs and blood, and gore, and, and excessive cursing and stuff. Like, Lord of the Rings as a kid put me to sleep more effectively than Ambien or a punch to the temple. <laughs> Eventually, around age 18, I became kind of a film buff, and so I decided to give Lord of the Rings another chance. Uh, what I experienced was this phenomenon after that called post-prime fanboying. I, I coined that phrase. Uh, just like how I got into Radiohead right around when they released King of Limbs, uh, I had showed up after the high watermark mark of quality, Uh, Just in time to experience the exciting, you know, future installments flop into our laps like a wet fish. I actually gave up on the Hobbit trilogy and didn't see the, the later two movies in the theaters. But I'd be a real idiot not to acknowledge how big of a deal these films are. It's like sports in that way. Like they're not my favorite thing in the world, but I understand why people love them so much, you know, for film studies reasons. Back to
0: you, Tanner. All right. I just shit my pants. So Rain Conversi, let's go ahead and hear your history with the Lord of the Rings. And, and
1: and are you a fan? So my take actually isn't too different from Austin's. I saw it when I was like eight. I only saw Fellowship as a kid. I liked it. Didn't leave much of an impact on me, if I'm being honest. I just it was like, oh, that's fun. And kind of in, in one ear, out the other. It's sort of deal. And then uh, I rewatched it when I was like 16, 17. Enjoyed it a lot more. Um, but still wasn't like in love with it. Just like, oh, that's a really solid movie. I, mean, I think I saw that in Two Towers, and I just never got around to uh, Return of the King because of have you seen the runtime? And then, um, and then I rewatched it again six months ago or something like that, and I really, really appreciate it like a lot more that time around i can get into that later but um yeah it's really just it's a movie that's grown on me and really just it's just taken me growing up i guess to really appreciate um the fire aspects of it which is weird because of like what joe's saying so many people like got hooked on it as they were a child i think a big part of it might be because so much uh western fantasy is just like regurgitations of tolkien's work that it, it's kind of even if you like consciously are aware oh this is the original the Seinfeld thing is um, not funny effect
0: Hey, that's my catchphrase. Yes. Well,
1: yeah, basically.
3: Um, saying the thing.
1: For me, like the thing that like the first fantasy thing that like got me hooked in was the Elder Scrolls universe. So like whenever I see any fantasy thing, I subconsciously think, oh, this is just a an Elder Scrolls ripoff.
0: Guy who has only seen the boss baby watching his second movie. I'm getting a lot of boss baby vibes from this. Anyway, Tim, go right ahead and uh uh, history of the Lord of the Rings. Do you remember watching a Lord of the Rings movie for the first time? Which one was
3: it? So, uh, much like Austin, I was about eight years old when the first, when the Fellowship of the Ring came out in theaters. And I remember going to see that with my family. And like, I remember going into it, knowing that like, this was going to be like this big thing. And like, it was like, a way longer movie than anything i had ever experienced before i distinctly remember they didn't even like play trailers before they were just like we got to just go right into it i watched uh, all three movies in theaters when they came out i remember it was basically like a christmas tradition in our household for those three years and like it was one of those things where like I really enjoyed the movies like I thought they were really cool as a kid but at the same time it was just like man these movies are really long I want to go home and play with my new Yu-Gi-Oh cards um so it it is definitely like it's definitely something I've grown to appreciate more as I've watched them as I've gotten older as a kid it's just such a long thing that it's hard to. keep your attention span on it. I rewatched the first one in IMAX, like Joe was saying uh, earlier this year when they were doing the re-release thing Uh, due to various circumstances. um, uh, I did not get to see two towers or return of the King in IMAX, Unfortunately, but if they do a re-release, I might jump on that. Fortunately, I only got to watch the first one. But even that, like it was cool to see that again on the big screen. I haven't read the books. I think I listened to the audio book of the first one on a car trip at one point as a kid the only tolkien book that i've actually read was his translation of sir Gawain and the green knight um at some point i do want to like eventually read the lord of the rings series but i've also heard that there's just like entire pages of describing a mountain uh in those you're not wrong Yeah, it's, it's cool. Uh, I'll, I'll talk more on the next question. Back to you, Tanner.
0: So my uh, experience with Lord of the Rings. Ah, I miss. I was 14 years old when I saw my first Lord of the Rings movie. I remember now walking in the theater, watching the movie and walking out, being like, huh, those 48 frames per second sequences were kind of weird. That's right. My first Lord of the Rings movie was The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Uh, I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with that movie. So then I went back. And I was like, all right, I should watch the original Lord of the Rings. And then you know what I did? Not that. I didn't watch the original Lord of the Rings. Next year rolls around. Second Hobbit movie, baby. I'm there. (laughs) Opening night. You know what? I'm a fan. I forgot what it was called. I don't remember anything about it, but I liked it at the time. And I said, all right, this year, I'm going to go back, watch the Lord of the Rings. And you know what I did? I didn't do that. I probably watched uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven 2 for the 19th time (laughs) instead. So, year after that, 2014, baby, here we go. What is it? The Hobbit and the Journey of the Battle 5 Armies of the Rise of the Silver Surfer, whatever the fuck it was called? Oh, yeah, baby, I'm there. Midnight, midnight, let's go. Oh, man, I watched it. It was bad, but, man, I pretended I loved it. So then I went, okay, okay, okay. Now I'll go back to the Lord of the Rings. And then I watched all dogs go to heaven, 2 for the 20th time in my life. 2015 rolls around. And then I go, okay, I'll finally watch The Lord of the Rings. And people say, you have to watch The Lord of the Rings. You like the first Hobbit movie? The Lord of the Rings movies are like 50 times as good as that. Oh, and you got to watch the extended editions. Little did they know. Telling me that was a mistake because the extended editions of these movies are really bad and have bad pacing. So for the longest time, I thought people were nuts about The Lord of the Rings. I thought The Hobbit movies were better. The Hobbit movies had pacing. Lord of the Rings didn't. Until uh, I think it was around 2019, I let it slip my deranged opinion that The Hobbit was better than Lord of the Rings movies. And William Shatner came into my home. I don't know why it was him of all people. And he started strangling me and said, No, no, Tanner, you mustn't. And I said, Yes, Shatner. I have been shat upon, and I will now follow your wisdom. (laughs) So then. So then, <laughs> then I watched the normal, normal, not extended, normal versions of The Lord of the Rings. And oh my God, when you chop 50 minutes out of Fellowship of the Ring, man, it gets significantly better. There's way less boring downtime. This movie's three hours long, but it's significantly well-paced. And we'll get into that in a second. And then I watched Through Towers. I loved it. And then I watched Return of the King. And I loved Return of the King, and we'll get into that in a few years, but yeah. Uh, That's my experience with the Lord of the Rings franchise. I promise I don't sound like I'm coked up all
3: the time. This is a lie. (laughs) This is a lie. (laughs) It's a fabulous, standard.
0: Watch the Arthur Christmas podcast last week. I'm way more calm.
1: He was not. Yes, I am. (laughs) Standard's mask was more firmly on. He wasn't masked off like he is now.
0: What were your guys' thoughts upon your latest, I assume, rewatch of Lord of the Rings? Fellowship of the Ring. Ring, ring, ring. Ring, ring, ring. Banana phone. Tim, I swear to God. I just want to hear about your Fellowship of the Ring thoughts. We're going to start with Ring Conversi.
1: Man, it's one of those movies that's kind of really, really hard to talk about. But uh, Oh, God, well, it's Riders of a, the
0: Lost Ark all over again.
1: I'll give it a whirl, though. Um, something I really, really appreciate about Fellowship that i thought was lacking a bit in two towers and not as much in Return king but i feel like this grand epic fantasy story really i feel like that works best when it's sort of uh blended in with just sort of like light whimsical just like light whimsy i don't know why i just i feel like those two things together that just those two elements together just create the the best thing ever i insert some uh cool smart guy analogy that'll make me sound like a cool smart guy great cast of characters that um you know it's like how many how many uh main like supporting characters are this and like it doesn't feel overstuffed at all looks immaculate definitely captures just feeling like a a whole new fantasy world probably the the best film to do that when it when it came out, I can't think of a film that did that. I was about to say did, did that as well as Star Wars. There's um there's a few movies that come to mind. Yeah, but, Star Trek Three. Um, I'll say this is the second best looking fantasy movie ever behind uh, Legend, the Tom Cruise movie. It just captures like. When people, like, envision fantasy, this is, I think, this gets the silver, I think, for, like, capturing an a aesthetic level. It's uh, kind of a perfect movie. If there is one thing that isn't perfect, the ending, it can only be so perfect of ending when it's only cutting in the middle of a book. But it, it, it does it as well as, like, I think anyone reasonably could. Because it does feel like a complete story. It does better than Dune does. Definitely probably feels le- le- less messy when you have something like Dune to compare it to. So, yeah, great time. A fantastic movie. Arguably a, probably a perfect movie. Um, Many would say, and I'd probably say uh, back to you, Tanner. Rain,
0: Rain, I agree. Why am I doing the one does not simply?
1: (laughs) No, this is the one does not simply.
0: One does not simply host a podcast. Come on, Valeria. That's a cat. Rain, I agree that uh I agree that Fellowship of the Ring gets a silver in the aesthetics department. I believe gold goes to Return of the King. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean I'm not kidding, but that's not what this podcast is about. All right. I get it, you're I... counting it as one thing. It's Lord a of the joke. Rings in general. It's a joke. This is satire, Your Honor. <laughs> All right, Austin. Uh, known Lord of the Rings hater. I'm kidding. But uh, what did you think upon re-watching Fellowship of the Ring for the first time and also uh, apparently immersing yourself in the behind-the-scenes deep lore today?
4: Yeah, I spent like five hours today just watching behind-the-scenes stuff, so I'm going to try to blister through this question because uh, my territory is uh, question three. A little tiny preface for people who don't know me personally. I'm an atheist who grew up hating Lord of the Rings, and I married what? somebody from a very Christian family where everybody loves Lord Lord of the Rings. Uh, My husband and brother-in-law can quote this movie top to bottom. It's really cool to watch. Uh, I mentioned this because that's why I bought an entire 4K Blu-ray player last Christmas, just so we could watch one thing, just so we could get the 4K Ultimate Collector's Edition that came out. Uh, So that's what I was watching last Tuesday, that specific release. Are all of you aware of what they did to the colors for for that 4K Blu-ray? Anybody here? Unfortunately, yes, I am.
0: They pissed on it, right?
4: They changed it so it would yeah. look more in line with the Hobbit trilogy. They made it gray. They, they desaturated a lot of stuff. And I figured out a way around this. For any of you at home who has that SteelBook, go into your Blu-ray player settings, take the saturation slider, and go all the way. It helps. Um, Mean Potatoes. I watched the theatrical version because, like Tanner said, Fellowship is a movie that really doesn't benefit from the extra runtime. I do disagree, though. I think that Two Towers and Return to the King have okay extended editions. But in Fellowship, you have just scenes I cannot justify. Like Sean Beam getting really, like, so worked up about the ring at the Fellowship meeting that Gandalf has to black out the sky. That whole thing feels out of place. A lot of scenes like that. Um, And it always blows me away how much I want to go in and, like, shred this movie. Like, call it a bunch of dumb idiots LARPing, like is an expensive D campaign. But every single time I go back and watch the fellowship, it's as timeless and awesome as it always was. If anything, internet memes have made this movie even stronger than it used to be. Like every time I see Sean Beam do his hand like this, oh almost every frame of Gandalf. The memes just made it better. Uh, my general rewatch only produced a couple of notes from the high check siblings who were both there and their observations matter more than anything I can say because they've seen this movie a thousand times. First time was Leighton saying that Gandalf never really apologizes for being late when uh, Frodo wakes up, you know, in uh, Elrond's palace. He never apologizes. And the other one was that Sid said on that particular copy that Nazgul's could have had better blacked out faces, but we don't know because we turned the saturation all the way up. I'm mostly excited to talk about this movie in individual scenes and production notes going forward but I can't sum up why I like it so much going back to the thing Rain said about legend there was this quote from Peter Jackson that came out like last year I think 2020 interview he said he wanted the historical authenticity of Braveheart and a little of the visual magic of Ridley Scott's legend and the movie he chose to be the antithesis of Lord of the Rings was Willow I'm sorry
0: I just want to make did you say historical authenticity of Braveheart (laughs) yes The movie that is famous for being historically inauthentic?
4: Well, I'm just reading a quote. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with the big man. Sorry, I just wanted... With
2: God?
0: (laughs) Yo,
4: dog. (laughs) I know we don't talk much, but... The movie that he chose to trash with lightning. As the anti-Lord of the Rings Like he said he didn't want the mumbo jumbo Of the movie Willow Which is weird because I actually did like Willow as Willow a kid rocks, what the hell is this guy's deal The crew created a movie With rules that make sense, legends that are awesome And stakes that matter, back to you Tanner
0: Alright, that's I would agree uh, 100% So, moving on, Joe Vrenick We're going to skip right past you, we'll save you for last Tim M. Sullivan,
3: <laughs> what do you think Of Fellowship of the Ring? I think um, I would I would agree with basically Rain's sentiment that like it's basically a perfect movie. I don't think I would necessarily say it's one of my favorites, but like it, I can't not see it for what it is, which is just such a well-made film. I think it was made at the perfect time too, where like it was still a largely like real movie, like it was largely filmed on sets. The CGI didn't feel. Like it was more than necessary. Like it felt like it was there where it needed to be. It's good looking CGI for day, and even for today, like it it looks dated a little bit, but it looks but it doesn't look bad.
0: Honestly, it looks better than maybe fifty percent of movies coming out today. It looks better than Snake Eyes.
3: The the purple
1: the purple stuff in Hawkeye. Oh, God, that's... That recently.
0: Yeah, that's pretty recent. That looked like ass. Sorry, Tim, go ahead.
3: My purple stuff's better. Probably. I I don't watch Marvel. (laughs) Anyway, I honestly think it looks like... it, It looks good even for today. Like, it holds up surprisingly well for being 20 years old. It's such a great spectacle of a film. All all of the characters feel very well fleshed out. There's something to appreciate with all of them. Now I'm going to use this uh, soapbox to talk about a film called Mandy. So, uh, this movie is tangentially uh, responsible for that existing because... In 2010, Elijah Wood co founded a company called Spectre Vision. And through that oh my company. my God. Fuck off, Tanner. Anyway. No,
0: this is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> this,
3: is, this is incredible. This is impressive. Yeah. I'm in love. Yeah. yeah. So through Spectre Vision, uh, they were able to make some uh, very like surrealist kind of horror type films. And, uh, uh Elijah Wood found uh this this guy Panos Cosmados's uh film Beyond the Black Rainbows is just like yo this film rocks. Let's fi- let's fund this dude's pr- passion project. So thank you Lord of the Rings for giving us Mandy. Thanks <laughs> you tanner
0: Incredible just
3: uh wow.
4: incredible. God bless.
0: Rain right, right. was ah, that guy in and, and Joe V's and I, Shang-Chi, screening when someone tried to applaud at the Marvel logo, and then some guy went,
1: shut up! I would be that guy.
0: True <laughs> story. <laughs> anyway, uh, now that everyone that matters talked, uh, we're going to move on to our next question. I'm just kidding. Joe Vrennic, uh what do you think of Fellowship of the Ring upon your latest rewatch?
2: So um, I'm going to add to Tim's thing here real real quick. Um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's responsible for Mandy. However, it's also responsible for two movies. It's responsible for A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And it's also responsible for The Greasy Strangler. I just wanted to throw that out there because Elijah Wood produced both of them.
3: It's also responsible for Tanner's film Color Out of Space. No.
2: So, uh, yeah, now Austin has to play a clip of The Greasy Strangler. No. (laughs) To my actual thoughts of the movie, um, I'm going to start by quoting Lindsay Ellis because it kind of actually reflects my thoughts on the movie. The Lord of the Rings, uh, The Fellowship of the Rings specifically, is a movie so goddamn good it makes me angry. (laughs) Like, I do not understand what kind of black magic Peter Jackson had to go and, like, conjure up to get this movie to be as perfect as it is, but, my God, it's like, you watch, like, the grand scale of this and just how perfect its pacing to quote tanner richard Kraft, it's grand doyce scale (laughs) (laughs) brought grand doyce back (laughs) Um, um it's big bombastic performances the insanity that had to go into this movie to make it as perfect as it is this movie had to be perfect otherwise it was just going to sink the careers of literally everybody involved with this movie my god the visual effects of this movie are fucking incredible this is one of those movies where it's like if you watch all of Peter Jackson's movies prior to this, you just see like the natural progression of this guy. Start it like. Bad tastes, meet the feebles, and then dead alive. And you're like, man, these are some really creative visual effects for like no budget horror movies out in New Zealand. What happens when we give this guy a budget? He makes The Frighteners. What if we give him an even bigger budget and like two more movies? He makes one of the most perfect visual effects movies ever made because that man has constantly shown shown that he knows how to use visual effects. The practicals in this are fucking insane. But then he adds in computer technology, which was kind of in its infancy at the time still. So you're getting like all of these giant, giant like landscapes, these creatures that could not be possible through practical effects, just being brought to life and just perfected, in one movie sure there's wonky effects but you know what compare all of the wonky effects in this movie to like other movies from 2001 compare it to harry potter compare it to fucking i don't know this this wasn't 2001 lost in space compared to a a lot of movies nowadays
3: compared to spawn 1997 (laughs) (laughs)
2: compare (laughs) compare
3: this i'm not going to compare this to anything else
2: uh Continuing on. The pacing of this movie might be like the best pacing in any major blockbuster I've ever seen in my life. This is efficient storytelling where it sets up the stakes of the ring. You know what like why this thing is important. You know why people are after it. And now you're just moving forward and this movie just keeps moving forward. It does not stop for anything. I mean, yeah, there's exposition dumps, but it just does not stop. This is a non-stop we're going to keep moving movie and it's- fucking great at that. My God, the the performances in this are on like this insane like level where it's like not too over the top to where this is making the world of this seem far too goofy, but it's also not too uh, laid back to where nobody's taking this seriously at all. It's like this perfect fever pitch of like taking it seriously but also having fun with it the best example of this is the oscar nominated performance in this movie and it's the only time it got nominated for an acting role this trilogy ian goddamn mckellen as gandalf that is
0: sir ian goddamn mckellen to you
2: sir ian goddamn fucking mckellen there we go if you need somebody to like perfectly bring you into this world, it is through that man's performance because he just lives this performance. This is all, it just seems natural to him. This man gets some of the most iconic lines ever and it's just because he delivers it so naturally. My favorite one, and this is going to be like my one joke for this podcast, I believe. He's yelling at Bilbo Baggins and he goes, Bilbo Baggins, do not take me for some conjurer of cheap trick. Just ask the band's manager. (laughs) They'll play for cheap. (laughs) This movie is
0: the meme. This movie's the meme blueprint for real. Everyone talks about the Spider Man Raimi movies. Nah, this is the meme trilogy.
3: Yeah. Watching this in the theater earlier this year, it it was just like, oh, yeah, that's a meme. Oh, yeah, that's a meme. Oh, yeah, that's a meme. (laughs) Anyway, to wrap my thoughts on this up, because I could probably talk about this movie
2: all day. Everything is perfect. The score in this movie is perfect. So many iconic motifs that are used as memes, but also they're just like perfectly utilized in this. Everything has a theme. Everything has a purpose. What a perfect movie. I, I, I'm i at a loss for words. And I think I passed a kidney stone because my side hurts. Anyway, back to you, Tanner.
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to go against the grain here. This is not a perfect
2: movie. <gasps> I
0: think it has some pacing. Fuck you. I think it has a little bit of pacing issues in the second act. I think you could maybe shave off five minutes, and it'd be a perfect movie then. But that's really uh, the nittiest of nitpicks for me. And really, a three hour movie it's it, it's hard for any movie to have good pacing at that length. Uh, and the fact that it gets so fucking close is impressive in of itself. Beyond that, I mean, yeah you you guys already said everything. There's really nothing left for me to say. Other than uh, I think Austin and I said this before the movie recording started. This is a movie about dudes rock, you know bunch of dudes hanging out they're having a good time they're on a journey Dude, it's
4: rock baby Dude, if you watch the special features, they talk about how when Kate Blanchett or Liv Tyler would show up because they weren't there as much as everybody else, which was all dudes. Everyone would behave completely differently on set because there was a girl there like like they were film school students, just like girl. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's dudes rock energy. It's nuts.
0: Uh, but yeah, it's such a great movie about dudes hanging out. They're being dudes. Frodo. Frodo is like the dudliest dude that ever dude. Let me tell you, my review of this movie on Letterboxd was plain and simple. This happened to my buddy Frodo, because simply put, it did. All right? One does not simply go into Mordor. Frodo did. Yeah, it's such a great movie. A little bit of pacing problems in the second act. And honestly, the way it ends is like... It's not even so much that it's incomplete. It just feels really sudden. <laughs> it's just kind of like I deadass, like zoned out for like 20 seconds. And the next thing I know, I saw executive producer Harvey Weinstein. That's what snapped me back. I went, hey, wait a minute. I know that name. Oh, no. So, you know, uh, it's really such a good, fun movie. All the performances are really on point, And it's all these actors giving it their all very seriously. Like, There's not a hint of irony in any of this. It's all very sincere. I love the MCU, but sometimes they're a little bit too winking at the audience, but there's not a wink in this movie at all. Imagine making this nowadays. Imagine oh. imagine uh, being a uh, multi multi-billion-dollar company that is mostly known for the online shopping retail space and deciding, "Hey, I see that Game of Thrones show on HBO. I want that." Uh, so you wind up unilaterally buying the rights to Lord of the Rings, something that has already been adapted perfectly and you are not going to a top. Hi, I'm Jeff Bezos. Yeah, really? Anything more I want to say will pretty much be covered by uh, question three. So here's a fun thing. This movie has a lot of behind-the-scenes stories, footage. We probably know more about the making of this movie and its sequels than maybe any other movies in history. Uh, It's really extensive and really impressive and is honestly a very valuable educational resource if you want to know what it's like to make a big budget. Like, it's these movies and then the director and the Jedi. is like the -the behind-the-scenes footage for that and then the documentary about the making of The Last Jedi. If you want to know how these people make these big-budget studio movies – Those are two fantastic resources, but what is like maybe one element of the production or with the story elements like something like that, just something that really we're all filmmakers here. So what's something that really impresses you on that level? Austin, I know you're raring to go here, so I'll let you go first.
4: I first, I want to say a shout-out to those people who didn't die during production, but they suffered fates worse than death. The crew who had to spend a week wiring one million fake oak leaves onto a tree that's hanging out outside of Bag End. The two chainmail technicians who spent 18 months putting rings together at a table to make all the chainmail armor in this movie. And, of course... All the stuntmen who John Reese Davies hit with an axe. Apparently, John Reese Davies doesn't like rehearsing stunts, so instead he opts to just sort of briefly talk to the stuntmen and then dust them full contact with his axe when they come at
1: him. What a king! John Reese Davies is bomb. All right, the forced perspective using that—that's awesome. Like, fuck you, that was mine. Aha! I got before you guys could. Just look at like a behind the scenes a feeling of like basically any like any of the scenes um in the shire between frodo and gandalf look at like how uh, how many fact like plates they had to spend just to like get that scene to work because it's not like you're just like a one static shot of the two of them talking like this you know the camera is on a dolly track uh panning around how are how they do that, it's awe-inspiring. One of the ways, that the big breakthroughs for this was they had moving camera force perspective
4: shots, where they did a motion control dolly, and then they'd hook up, like, the table of the small guy or sometimes the big guy onto a separate counter-moving motion control dolly to achieve the perspective, like, where it's all kind of supposed to be in the same place with the weird scale achieved. That's how they did that. It was nuts!
0: The scene where uh, uh, Frodo puts on the ring for the first time, and we see what he sees, that still looks super, super duper cool to this day and that's like mostly done with computers and it's really impressive cg work freddick what's something cool
2: Can we talk about the balls on uh, Peter Jackson and everybody involved with the marketing team? This is goddamn balls on a filmmaker because one of the big trailers for this movie is the announcement trailer. It just comes in. It's like the CGI like red background of the ring and they're doing the one ring speech and there's like an epic choir building up in the background. Somebody catches the ring, then cuts a footage from like all three of the movies, and this was back in like 1999, 2000 maybe, and it's like, this Christmas, the most extraordinary event, the most extraordinary story will come to life. And then it cuts to Lord of the Rings, and then it's that big shot of the Fellowship, and they're walking across the screen, and it's Fellowship of the Ring, Christmas 2001, Two Towers, Christmas 2002, The Return of the King, Christmas 2003. Oh. Here's the cast. Get hyped. The confidence that they had in this movie was fucking insane. They felt like they had something special on their hands, and it just so happened to be that they were correct. I am so happy that this was special and that it's had like the impact on film that it had because... If this movie did not do as well, if it was not the masterpiece that this was and was like an infamous disaster like uh, the previous year, also Noonline Cinema, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, if it ended Um, up like that, this would just be a very hilarious (laughs) piece of marketing because there's no way if if this movie bombed that they were going to make those other movies. Tim,
0: something cool, go.
3: I guess I'll just kind of talk about a shot that um, always just sticks out to me, which is just like the moth. Flying up onto the tower and going into Gandalf's hand and then flying out. Like, I, I, I think that that's just a really interesting visual shot, just like following the moth and gliding around.
0: Alright, Austin, I think you have Carti Blanche now I've said all of everything, we've all said everything Go nuts
4: So there's this funny scene in the making of like DVD features Where Peter Jackson is like real hyped up and confident And he's talking about Gollum and the CGI they're using to make Gollum And he's like, yeah, I think we can have better CGI than Digital Domain or ILM And the point of reference he's using against Gollum for ILM is Jar Jar Binks <laughs> He's just so trying to <laughs> okay, be Okay, that's so Jar- unfair, that was the first one okay okay so did you guys actually know how weta is made just a little fun fact how weta came about so Peter Jackson was working on heavenly creatures a movie about lesbians that Joe for some reason didn't mention curious um but one of his like <laughs> kiwi friends came up to him and was just like hey we can do this cheaper and they just bought all this like computer equipment they bought like one silicon graphics machine and a, a film scanner and they're just like right then and they just made weta <laughs> It's so stupid. You know um, what?
0: The similar of Bomb Squad Productions being created is fairly identical. I just Joe. came up to Austin and was like, I got a computer. No,
1: <laughs> <laughs> were
2: you going to say can, can I bring up one point as to why I did not bring up Heavenly Creatures? I brought it up because, one, that's the Peter Jackson movie that I do like, but I've not seen as much. And also, I don't remember that many visual effects in it. So I just skipped to the Frighteners. I have to clear that up.
4: Well, the Frighteners is an awesome CGI, like, ma- masterpiece for the time, but there's, like,
1: these stone people who move in Heavenly Creatures. Love that movie! I need to rewatch it. Apparently, like, all the orcs, um, like, all their armors were just, like, handmade. Each piece of armor is, like, unique, like, in some slight way. But they didn't just mass produce it even for, like, all these extras.
4: Another thing that kind of adds to that, how they have all these unique orcs, back then, uh, somebody created this program called Massive that you hear about where you see those big CG shots of all the people moving. There's no way to hand-animate that without it taking a billion years. You'd have to just use a whole country to hand-animate that. So what they did was they made this program called Massive that is supposed to, like, do crowd AI, which was, like, in its infancy at the time so that all these, like, creatures and the shots that are moving at each other are, like, doing behavior are on their own, and all you have to do is just drop them in. It's like that one video game people upload YouTube videos of, Epic Battle Simulator, but really early on. Oh, there's this funny uh, little thing you can achieve when you're watching the special features. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a couple of them combined. But Lothlorien was, like, the most difficult, like, miniature they had to make in the whole trilogy, apparently. Because they had these, like, eight 26 foot tall trees, and all this detail. And if you watch through the whole thing, like all these special features, you can actually see the Strike Master destroying. Destroying that set. So it's like the most immaculate thing they ever had to put into, into you know production and make real and there's just this one shot you could get to of just a bulldozer destroying that shit. Just fucking crashing it to the ground. It's kind of nice. Um, shot of the Elvish Ruins on the hill by the way. The helicopter pilot or the person operating the camera they actually zoomed in a way where they couldn't track the top of the hill at the time so what they had to do because they were like what are we going to do? We can't get it tracked. We can't put the ruins up there. They just replaced the whole hill they just they just put the whole it made it fake it's a cool solution um oh they almost needed a third pass of like scale stuff dwarves right they're not as tall as hobbits but they're not as tall as people so they were thinking oh we're gonna need his own special category but dig this John Reese davies is six foot one. So when you shoot him at Hobbit scale, he's the perfect height. Elijah Wood's like five foot nine. He was exactly where he needed to be and they just shot him at Hobbit scale. It's beautiful. Oh, Viggo Mortensen's son convinced him to be in this. So they casted this one guy, Stuart Townsend, who is best known for being Dorian Gray in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And then they got to filming and they're like, oh shit, this guy's too young. We can't do this. So they needed, they were already filming. They needed Aragorn like now. Oh, dude. So they call up Big O Mortensen and they're like, hey, if you could tell us by this afternoon if you want to be in a Lord of the Rings movie, that would be sweet. And then Big O Mortensen was like, I've never heard of Lord of the Rings. This is dumb. And then his son was like, did you say Lord of the Rings? And next thing you know, he's Aragorn. You I mean, know what?
0: The fact that he was convinced by his son is proof that Dad's rock
4: baby! I can't follow that. That's perfect.
0: Okay. Well, thank you, Austin. That was actually beautiful. Uh, My quiet hours ended 30 minutes ago, so I might regret what I just did, but it was so worth it. I took on this risk. Uh, Let's get into our just quick final thoughts on the movie. I don't have a trivia corner today. One, that last question was basically any of the relevant trivia I'd bring up anyway. And two, all three of these movies are so massive. I keep half jokingly, half seriously suggesting we're just going to do a Four Floor to the Rings podcast in three years about the making of the movies. I don't know if we'll actually do that. It's just kind of a joke, but either way, we're skipping straight into our final thoughts on this movie. So Joe Renick let me let you go first.
2: All right. Um, I've said pretty much everything I have to say about this, um, or at least as far as coherent thoughts go. I think this movie's perfect. I even like the extended version of this. I think you all are crazy. I just think it adds more to this world that I really love being in. Yeah, I had to throw that in there because you guys were poo-pooing all over it this entire well, podcast. Because we're right
0: and you're wrong. This isn't an opinion. It's an objective fact. Screw you.
2: If anything, I actually dislike the extended version of Two Towers, which one of you said was good. So was
0: me. Him. <laughs> I also Sorry. think that one's bad.
2: But yeah, no. Perfect movie. If you've not seen it, What the fuck are you doing? Stop watching this.
0: No, don't stop watching this. Hold on. No, finish watching this. Don't listen to him.
2: Finish watching this. You're almost at the end. Go watch this as soon as you're done. Why are you watching this uh, if you haven't seen it? Watch it. It's perfect. I love it. Bam. Go. Whoever's next.
0: Imagine we get a comment that's like, um, spoilers. Just imagine that ah, like, if bro, we do, the, the book's 80 years old dude this is your own damn fault it really is <laughs> All right Tim final thoughts
3: yeah I mean the, the basically covered it it's a very it's just such a grand epic scale of a movie it's, it's a perfect classic uh, it's basically the quintessential fantasy film go watch it
0: <laughs> All right rain final thoughts movie good. All right, uh, Austin Zwiebelman, final thoughts?
4: I guess I like it now. I don't know. It's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess. God. All sounds right. so really, begrudging about it. <laughs> I don't know what more I can say. It's really just such a fantastic, awesome movie. It's in my top ten for the year it came out. I think number nine. Ocean's Eleven is right behind it. I don't know what's in front of it for that year. It's a really good year for movies, though. It's just such a great, awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, weird, but go ahead and check it out. Sometimes it takes people a while to get to things. And if you have seen it, go watch it again. Because you know what? This is a movie about dudes rock.
4: You know why it's called The Fellowship of the Ring? Why? It's a lot of fellows. It's yeah, a lot you know, of, a bunch fellows.
0: of fellows. But <laughs> a lot of fellows being like, party rocking in the house tonight. Anyway... It's all about fellows, dudes, they all rock. And you know who else rocks? You do. For watching, slash, listening to this podcast, thank you also very much for joining us. If you're listening to this podcast, please go ahead, leave a review below. Any of the audio platforms are on and it will help boost us in the algorithm. If you're watching the Spotify video version, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, piss, motherfucker, because uh, it's uncensored. If you're watching the YouTube version, that entire string is going to sound like nonsense because it's all bloop. But if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. We've been growing a lot on YouTube lately, which we're very appreciative of. Go ahead and go down to the comment section below. Are you a fan of Lord of the Rings? Is this one your favorite? What's your favorite Lord of the Rings movie? Are you excited to hear us cover the two towers a year from now, which we will be doing? And finally, should we render the podcast in 48 frames per second in honor of A Hobbit, The Unexpected Journey? The answer is no, we're not doing that.
2: Austin will kill you if we do this.
0: And all we would have to do is hit the frame rate button. It's easy, right? Every, editing is
4: magic. You can do anything. Austin's poor face. My media cash.
0: And while you're down there, Hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you know exactly when we upload new videos. Thank you all so very much for watching. Tune in next time when we... What are we... No, hold on. Hold on. Actually, hold on.
2: I hope this isn't a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit.
0: No, no, I'm. We're, we're, we're finishing now. Oh,
4: no. I
1: woke
4: you up? Oh, no. Uh. Oh, f- fuck. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Oh, my fucking God. Oh, jeez.
0: Yeah,
4: no, Real life
1: disasters.
0: Okay. Okay. Ah. Uh.
1: Oh uh, yeah, it's 11:30 where you guys are. Oh my god.
0: Actually, uh, don't tune in next week. I'm this is the last Bomb Squad podcast ever. I'm canceling it. Bye.